morning. And I, I want you to turn, if you've got a Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. I, I'm going to give you three words. In, in, in America, if you have a car and you break down, you call AAA. So this is my little AAA message for us as a group of people this morning. I'm going to give you three words beginning with A. So it's going to be really simple uh, message, really simple to remember. And, and the first word I want to talk about is access. Access. And uh, here it is in Ephesians chapter 2. Through him, we both, that's Jew and Gentile, Jews and non-Jews, through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Everybody say the word access. I want you to think about this. Back in those days, when you were a Jew and you heard Paul say something like this, you would have been a little shocked. The reason is, not everybody had access to the temple. If you wanted to get onto the inside, first of all, if you were a woman, there was a sort of an outer court area you could get to, but then the men could go a little bit further. But then even if you were a man and you wanted to go further, you had to be a Levite, you had to be over 20, and you had to be fit like me. (laughs) I don't know why you laughed when I said that. I've been working out this year. I'm getting better. I'm losing the Winnie the Pooh look. Soft and cuddly. And then, if you wanted to go even further into the presence of God, not only did you have to be a priest and over 20 and wear certain clothes and be fit and healthy, you had to be the high priest. And then if you were the high priest, wow, you got right into the presence of God. But even then, you could only do it once a year. And even then, you had to take a sacrifice. And even then, you had to worry, would it be accepted? In fact, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, they had a rope tied around him. And he had bells on the bottom of his garments. And they were listening for the bells. Because as long as they could hear the bells, he's moving and he's alive. If the bell stopped ringing, it was like, pull the rope, because I'm not going in there. Pull the rope, drag him out. That's how they used to do it. So when Paul declared, we have access by one spirit to the Father through Jesus Christ, when he made that declaration, if you were Jewish, it was like, and you were a woman, you were jumping up and down. If you were a guy with a disability, you were trying to jump up and down. Whatever it was, you were excited that you could get into the presence of God. Now, if you're a Gentile and you hear this, you say, wow, because the closest you ever got to the temple was the court of the Gentiles. That was it. You could never approach the presence of God. But now, he says here through Jesus, we all have access. And I want you to think about that. Have you ever been at a time in your life where you wanted to be somewhere, but you weren't allowed? Either because you weren't old enough, or you didn't have the right qualifications. Or somehow, I mean, I remember a few years ago when I got my gold status with British Airways. How many of you know that changes everything? Like 30 years of flying in economy and waiting in crowded airports. Just 30 years of doing that. And then suddenly, because of all the traveling I was doing, I get this gold status. Let me tell you about gold status. When you go to T5... Right at the very end is the first class check-in. And they're so nice to you. (laughs) It's like you walk in there and they say, good morning, sir. Welcome. You check in in first class. They can't do enough for you. And then in the first class 
uh, area of check-in, you have your own security. You don't have to go outside and queue with all those people. No, 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 no. In first class, you've got your own area of check-in. And not only that, it is joined directly to the lounge, to the first class lounge. And it's like, oh my goodness, the first time I did it, it was like, this is amazing. I now have access by one gold card. I'm allowed in here. I belong here. This is my destiny. This is where I should be. I want to tell you that's what the grace of God is like. That's what church is meant to be like. It's meant to be accessible for everybody. It doesn't matter about your background. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. What would happen if we created an atmosphere in our churches where every single person felt they had access? They felt like, I've got a gold card. They felt like, I belong in this place. See, I believe that access answers our need to be valued. Every single person needs to be valued in the world. And, and when we feel valued, it's like we feel, okay, I, need, I should be here. I'm allowed to be here. I remember when uh, there was a time where, you know, growing up with six kids, we often had moments with our kids. Anyone know what I'm talking about, parents? Moments. You understand those moments? And uh, I remember there was one time where one of our daughters, I shan't mention her, Anna Marie. (laughs) A very, very precocious child. I remember one time, you know, just being a bit lippy, just being a bit lippy one day. And I overreacted. I lost my temper and I shouted at her. And I could tell it really hurt her. And she went running up to her bedroom. And my wife looked at me and said, well, you've got to make that right now, haven't you? And I said, yes, yes. Don't you hate it when you're right and you're wrong at the same time? (laughs) Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You can be right and have the wrong spirit, so you're wrong at the same time as you're right. Yeah, but she said that. Yeah, but you're the adult, you know. It's like, okay. So I waited till I calmed down five minutes. Waited, you know, just got, mm, bring the temperature down. I went upstairs, knocked on the door. No answer. <laughs> she kept me waiting. No access. <laughs> And it was like the temperature started to rise again. You know, I'm thinking, this 11-year-old kid needs to open the door to her father. And, uh, you know, she just kept me waiting. So I'm knocking again. And I'm, I'm really, you know, the temperature's going up again. I'm thinking, I'm here to apologize. Why are you keeping me waiting? And eventually she opened the door. And I'm ready to say, Anna Marie, Dad overreacted. I'm really sorry. And uh, I'm about to start my speech. And she puts her hand up like that. 11 years of age. She said, Dad, before you say anything, I'd like to say something. So I go, okay. She said, I know know that um, what I did was wrong, but do you think you handled that in the most mature way possible? (laughs) How does an 11-year-old kid come out with that? That is so unfair. And it's like, I am being dressed down by an 11-year-old girl. And, so, and I'm a pastor, so I can't lie. So, no, 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 I, I didn't handle that 
in the most mature way. In fact, that's why I'm here. I, I sort of came to apologize. And she goes, then she looked at me and she said, do you think you've learned an important lesson from this experience? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having flashbacks now to my own father talking to me. It's like, oh my goodness, yes, I've learned a very important lesson. Please forgive me, I'm sorry. I'm a... Oh, that's okay, Daddy, give me a hug. You see, as soon as you put something right, you've got access. As soon as you confess and you repent, you have access. There's a way in. The Bible says you never have to stay on the outside because of your sin, because of your mistakes, because of your failures. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. I just love the fact that God cheers us on. He wants us to come into his presence. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says, let's come boldly into his presence. That's why I want to encourage you, be somebody who makes church a regular habit. You know, you've got access. There is something that happens when we're with the people of God that doesn't happen when you're alone. Listen, you need your own private devotional life. Jesus talked about going into your closet, going into that place where you can have a relationship with God. But it also says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because when you're together, Jesus is there in the midst. I was in Flensburg when we were launching Equippers Flensburg. Dust is good, yeah? And uh, it was amazing. You know, we had a time of worship. And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, um, during this time of worship, people are going to be healed if they will just give themselves to me in worship. If they just enter into worship, they're going to be healed. And we had a young lady. She's here tonight. You know, and all of her life, she had asthma. And really, really bad asthma. And as she worshipped, and how many of you know, when you've got asthma, singing's really hard? How many know when you got asthma, you know, you're short of breath all the time? And just as she began to declare the praises of God and she's singing out, she's just weeping. And I'm thinking, wow, something's going on with her. And then yet she goes, she goes, I was healed during worship. I was healed during worship. Seven weeks. Seven weeks, just clear. I wonder what God's going to do this weekend, just as we have access and we enter into his presence because when you're in his presence there's fullness of joy when you're in presence there's power to heal to change to deliver to set free come on friends let's be people who have access it answers our need to be valued you know as a, as a gold customer i kind of feel valued but you know what god values every single one of you every single person in this room it's like you've got that gold card and Jesus gave it to you and you didn't have to fly thousands of miles and you didn't have to pay hundreds of pounds. All you had to do was have faith in the person who did it all for you. He went the distance. He, he did the journey. He took the fight. He won the battle. And every single child of God is issued with a gold card. You have access to the Father. Here's the second word I want to bring out. <clears throat> It's this word, acceptance. Acceptance. I think acceptance answers our need to belong. You see, sometimes you can have access to something, but it's like you're there and you feel like, I'm not sure I should be here. It's like 
when I first started going to the first class lounge, there were lots of wealthy people in the first class lounge. There was lots of Gucci bags, lots of Versace, lots of this. And in the beginning, I thought, hmm, do I really belong here? It's like, I've got access, but am I accepted? And you see, many of us, we're like the prodigal son. The prodigal son knew he had access to the father when he was there in that land eating those husks with the pigs. He said, I'm going to rise. I'm going to go to my father. He knew he had access to the father, but he didn't believe he could ever be accepted again as a son. He had this whole speech rehearsed. I'm going to say to my father, I've sinned against heaven. I don't deserve to be a son anymore. Make me like one of your servants. And I think sometimes we have that attitude with God. It's like, We look at our past, we look at our failure, we look at our shortcomings, we try to deal with our insecurity and our brokenness, and we say, I don't really fit, I don't really belong, and there's this self-talk going on in there, and we say, oh, I'm, I'm just a servant, I'm just a nobody, and he comes to the Father with this attitude, and as he's walking, the Father sees him a great way off. And the father doesn't wait for him to come. The father goes running towards the son. You see, all you have to do is take a step towards where your destiny is. A step towards the love of God. And the love of God is going to come running towards you. He begins his speech. Oh, father, I've sinned against heaven and you. And the father doesn't let him finish. He hugs him. He kisses him. He says, come on now. Get a robe. Put it on him. Put sandals on his feet. Put a ring on his finger. He restores him to total sonship status. My son was dead. He's alive again. He's lost. He's found. He's fully accepted despite his past. I remember when Anna Marie finished university. She rang me up. She said, Dad, it's over. I've done the last exam. I'm coming home. Kill the fatted calf. (laughs) That kid. (laughs) Do you know what it says in Romans 5.2 in the message version? Here's what it says. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Isn't that beautiful? We, we find ourselves where we always hoped that we would be. We find ourselves there and, and it's a wide open space. It's a place where we stand and we shout praise. That's why I want to encourage you in this conference. When praise is going, shout praise. When worship is going, enter in fully. You just don't know what God is going to do because it's, it's a declaration of who you are. It's a declaration, I belong here. It's a declaration that says, hey, today, I'm not British, I'm not German, I'm not Dutch, I'm not Swiss. I'm a child of God. I'm in the presence of God and I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to give him worship. I'm going to give him a shout. I just love this idea. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You know, in years when I was going to church, there was a very important process you had to go to. 
If you wanted to belong to a church, the first thing was you had to believe. And after you believed, you had to behave. And after you behaved, then you could belong. But I think it's the wrong way around. I think God wants us to create a church where people can belong in order to believe. And once they believe, they'll begin to behave. Actually, I think behavior is the last thing that changes. You know know the reason I know that? Because I raised six kids. You know, when a child is born into a home, the very first thing that they need is a sense of belonging. You are accepted. Listen, not all behavior is acceptable, but you can be accepted. My father taught me that lesson as a teenager. He said, Peter, we accept you, but we don't accept your behavior. You are accepted, but your behavior is unacceptable. You need to change this. And the grace of God is like that. You're accepted. You are loved for who you are. But not everything about who you are is acceptable. You need to go on a process of change. But I've discovered the people who change are the people who already know they're loved and accepted. You see, God doesn't say, change and then I'll love you. He says, I love you and my love is going to transform you and change you and make you more like my son Jesus. That's grace. Because it's all about growing to maturity, together. I didn't know how much I needed to mature until I had kids. Hello? I thought I was a mature man. Then we had children. It's like I realized how immature I was. My kids, you know, when, when they were young, like eight, six, seven, I used to take them to school. I used to drive. And they'd go, faster, Daddy, faster. <laughs> and I would. <laughs> there's a puddle, Daddy, there's a puddle. <laughs> Splash people. <laughs> overtake it, Daddy, overtake it. Okay, I'm going. <laughs> we're overtaking. Later on, my kids grew up. They said, Dad, you were so irresponsible as a father. I said, yeah, but we had fun, didn't we? We have a saying in our house. If the kids drive with me, they're scared to death. If they drive with their mother, they're bored to death. (laughs) They're at that age now where we'll take bored and safe. (laughs) Scary dad. It's a good job I didn't have a sports car, isn't it? You see, access really answers our need to be valued, but, but... Acceptance answers our need to belong. It answers our need to belong. And everybody needs to feel like they belong, no matter what their issues are in life. Now, people come to our church, and sometimes they've got huge issues, really big issues. And sometimes, as pastors, we say, wow, I'm not sure how we can help this person. I'm not sure how, we, how to take this forward. But you know what? We'll journey with you. You belong. We accept you for who you are, with all of your rubbish, with all of your issues, with all of your problems. Now, some of that's not acceptable, but God's going to take you on a journey. And we're going to journey with you till you see breakthrough and change and transformation. Because we're all in that process. Here's the third key word that I want you to have. So the first is access. Everyone say access. The second is acceptance. Acceptance. Great. Here's the third one. Affirmation. Affirmation. I think affirmation is a beautiful word. 
it answers our need for identity. To have a sense of identity. You see, you can have access to something and still not feel that you really belong there. But, but once you know that you have access and you're accepted, once you know you belong there, you need to know, well, who am I and where do I fit? Who am I and where do I fit? And, and every single one of us has a call in our life. Every single one of us has that sense of identity. Think about Jesus in Matthew 3 and verse 17. He goes down to the waters of baptism. He surrenders to, to John the Baptist. He submits himself, if, if you will, to that aspect of destiny, whereas he, he's identifying with humanity, identifying with our brokenness, identifying with our sin. He's basically saying, I'm going to do exactly what everyone else needs to do. Acknowledge that I need to come under the authority of God's kingdom and it requires repentance. And baptism is sort of a picture of all of that, even though he was perfect and he didn't need to. John the Baptist said, you're the one who should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, no, it's okay. It's okay, I'm identifying with humanity. I'm identifying with human brokenness. And Jesus goes down in those waters of baptism and when he comes up out of the water, these words come out of heaven. In Matthew 3.17, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Words of affirmation. Here is Jesus. He hasn't preached a sermon yet. He hasn't performed a miracle. He hasn't done anything yet. And before he starts, the father says, I'm really pleased with my son. Do you know, I believe that real service comes out of a sense of identity of knowing who we are. And affirmation is what affirms our sense of identity. You know, I was watching Faith and John lead worship this morning. And Faith, just you went to a new place today. Just, it was just so exceptional. But here's the thing. It's, it's like I was looking at them and I thought, there's a Wayne and Libby in the making. I just want to affirm that. I, I, you, know, you know, affirmation is almost prophetic. When the Father spoke that over Jesus, they're like prophetic words. They're like saying, son, before you begin this ministry, I want you to know I'm already pleased. It's like, I see what's on your life. I see what you carry. I see what you bring. And that's what affirmation does. And that's why, wouldn't it be great if when people came to church, not only did they have access to our church, not only did they feel like we belong here, but from time to time, somebody says, you know, you are such a great person at welcoming people. You are such a great person at putting around people and caring for people. I see pastoral care on your life. You have such a great prophetic gift. You're always speaking words of encouragement to people. That If we just affirm the calling on one another. You see, I didn't know who I was until I was part of a church that affirmed everybody in it. And when you're in a context where you are, you're being affirmed, it makes all the difference. Later on, in Matthew 17, Jesus is, is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. His, it says his garment glowed as bright as the sun. And all the apostles were there. And it was like, if you read all the gospel accounts, first of all, they fell asleep. Can you imagine that? Missing that. And then they wake up and it's like Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah, which is very weird when you think about it because they're dead. (laughs) Well, at least Moses is. I know Elijah got caught up into heaven, so, you know, not sure about that one. (laughs) 
But there, there's Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. I've got so many questions about that, by the way. So many questions. Like, well, first of all, how did you know they were Moses and Elijah? Did they have little tags? Moses, Elijah. I don't know. You know, it's like so many questions. You know, was it a word of knowledge? I don't know. Did Jesus introduce you? Hey, this is Moses. This is Elijah. They just come to say hello. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. There's this moment. And uh, it says the disciples were asleep, they woke up, they saw all this happening, and then Peter, you know, it's like he's half asleep, and he says, oh, Lord, it's good that we're here, let's build three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. How many of you know when you're half asleep, you say the most dumb stuff? (laughs) (laughs) And then it says, a great cloud overshadowed them. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my Beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. The same words of affirmation. Hear him. Hear him. This is God's polite way of saying to Peter, zip it. <laughs> Hear, listen to what he has to say. And, and this, these words of affirmation, even Jesus in his lifetime was affirmed by his father in heaven. He was encouraged. What would happen if we had a church where every time you came to church, somebody just affirmed you, affirmed you in your call, affirmed you in the direction of life you were moving in, just said, hey, I I know you're carrying some baggage or I know you're struggling with this, but, but I just want to encourage you. Keep coming back. I want to encourage you. Keep in your process. You're doing so well. I am seeing change. You know, it's very difficult for us to see change in ourselves. It's very difficult to do that. But we can see change in others. And when we speak to that change, you know, Jesus was with Peter in Matthew chapter 16. And, and there they were um, in Caesarea Philippi. And, and, and all kinds of people have an opinion about Jesus. But then he asked them, who, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter speaks up out of Revelation. He says, he says you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus knew who he was, but now Peter really gets to know who Jesus is. There's an affirmation, there's a a proclaiming prophetically over Jesus. And and Jesus' first response was, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Do you know our identity is always something that comes out of revelation? It, It comes from the Father. Why? Because the Father created you. The Father knows exactly what you were made for. And so often in life, we're struggling to find who am I, where do I fit, what's my destiny. I love that Forrest Gump movie. Mama, what's my destiny? (laughs) Forrest, life is like a box of chocolates. You just never know which one you're going to get. And sometimes life is like that. It's a discovery. Sometimes life is just going on a journey. But here's Jesus. He, he, the, there's a response to who's Jesus. And, and Jesus then says to him, and I also say to you that you are Peter. Do you know what I've discovered? The moment you get clarity about Jesus, Jesus will begin to give you clarity about you. You see, he says, well, you're Jesus. He goes, okay, you're being prophetic. Now I'm going to be prophetic. You're Peter, and on this rock, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church. Jesus wants you to know where you fit. Jesus wants you to know this is what the call on your life is all about. And guess what? It's often different to what other people have said. I believe 
Church is one of the best places. Church at its best. Now, I know, I know some of us have had some bad church experiences. I've been there, got that T-shirt. I know that. But church at its best is a place where you can have access to the presence of God, where you can belong, where you can know I am accepted in this place, and where you can be affirmed in your identity. 